Are I you had, looking at more sex stuff? No, I'm done with the sex stuff. I Are mean, you? I well, I'm never done with the sex stuff. <laughs> Uh, Wait till we start the podcast, then you can get back into the sex stuff. Hello, dear and lovely sipsters. It's me, Editing Anna, direct in your ear holes. So the past me that recorded this episode thought there was no pre-roll. Oh, the hubris. Oh, the hubris of past me. There's always pre-roll. So today, it's me stopping in to say this is indeed our last episode of 2021. Crazy. Time is fake. So yes, we are taking the holiday time off, and we will be back in 2022 with new episodes, probably around mid-January, if I've got my timing right. In the meantime, whatever you're celebrating this season, if anything, please be safe and healthy while you do it. Enjoy this episode that we've got for you now, and then we'll see you in 2022. We'd like to remind you that the information contained within this podcast reflects our own personal opinions and should not be held as any kind of official recommendation. That's right. This podcast is for our own purposes. It's educational and and for entertainment. Mm-hmm. Edutainment, if you will. <laughs> We're just a couple of yahoos with master's degrees, and this isn't a professional capacity. So if as you're listening to an episode, you feel that maybe you need help with your own mental health, please do contact your own doctor or a therapist. And finally, we try to stay pretty clean with this podcast, but sometimes we slip up and sometimes we just talk about weird stuff. So <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) it might be not safe for work you'd probably better listen with headphones Hello and welcome to Freudian Sips. The podcast about brains, beverages, and other BS. I'm Bonnie. And I'm Anna. Hello, Sipsters. (laughs) How are you guys doing? How is it going? How is life treating you? How are you treating life? Oh. Ooh. Ooh. It goes both ways, you know. (laughs) (laughs) You're not just this passive person that life is happening to. You're making choices. How are you treating life? I like that, though. Start off with a deep thought. It does go both ways. It does. The best of us always do. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that was a zinger. A zinger to start it with. <laughs> you get the deep thoughts, I get the zingers. <laughs> All right. Both bases covered. All right. Check, check. Check and mate. <laughs> what do you think, Anna? Do we have any pre-roll today? No, I don't care. Let's mm. just do it. <laughs> no pre-roll. We're just going to jump out there. We're just nah, full screw it. Jump in. We are now on, on episode 95. Who's up? And this is kind of a continuation of 94. Yeah, we talked about doing this one in 94. It was like foreshadowing. Yes. (laughs) We're excellent writers. We we came up with an idea. The script writers for this show are amazing. (laughs) They don't get paid enough. (laughs) Certainly don't. So what was our last episode about, Mom? Give us a give us a little recap. You know what? In the middle of the night last night, I woke, <laughs> woke up, up and I was in a cold sweat. Like I, I have thinking, no idea what we talked about. Where did we come up? Why did we come up with this? I, and I could not remember. And I was like, oh my God, I can't remember. Okay. So we talked about narrative therapy. Because I did eventually think about it because I laid there and fretted for a little while. Oh, wow. And yes, in the middle of the night. 
We talked about narrative therapy yeah. last time and about telling our life story. Right, and, right. And that kind of took a like, uh, at one point we kind of veered off. I veered off. I don't remember exactly how, how did you veer off in that direction? Well, I, I was linking it at the end. I just kind of wanted to put a side note in as like how Dungeons and Dragons, like D&D, is mm-hmm. like narrative therapy because you use it to like tell a different story and you use kind of storytelling as a way to... I'll get into it. I'm going to talk a little bit about D&D in this episode. But but that was, I was linking it to narrative therapy in that sense. But Mm -hmm. that linked us to how part of narrative is the roles that characters play in the narrative. Right. And so we kind of decided to expand on that and talk about role playing, I guess, would be the overall theme of this episode. Right. That is the umbrella of this episode. Umbrella? Role playing. I'm making an umbrella. Mom is sign. making such a big umbrella with her arms, <laughs> as as big of an umbrella as her little arms. With my can little make. short arms, <laughs> it's a little short umbrella. It's a tiny but it's umbrella. Okay. <laughs> There's not a lot of things under this umbrella, but it's thick. We're hoping it's, it's not strong. a it's not a big rainstorm. <laughs> so we're going to kind of go in several different directions in this episode. We're going to all, go in whatever direction the wind takes all us, All under baby. the umbrella of roles. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say role playing, but the very first thing we're going to talk about is not role playing. Yeah, we're going to talk about really. roles in general and in specifically too. Yes. In specifically. <laughs> in specifically. <laughs> oh, dear God. Oh, guys, this Help is going to be a sisters. little bit of a rough episode. <laughs> No, we, we just we want to as- chill. We just want to <laughs> laugh. We want to chill. We were trying to do research before this together, and that wasn't going well. So we're just like, no, let's just do it. Because we talked about how part of this podcast is us kind of talking our way to figuring things out <laughs> and how you guys take that journey with us. Yeah, so thank you for coming along on this journey. Come with us, sipsters. All aboard. All aboard the Freudian Sips train. <laughs> Choo-choo. <laughs> I need another sound effect. I it's have the to trolley find- problem, but our our idea is just hitting as many people as we can on the tracks. <laughs> oh, that's so bad. Okay, okay. So why don't we start with just that idea of the roles that we actually have in our life that are actually our roles or the roles that are put upon yeah, us by so society. Yeah, so let's talk about what a role is. Is. is not it's, a crescent i was roll. just gonna make that joke <laughs> a roll. i got the zinger first zing you did that laugh that i do the, that's funny <laughs> you're hanging I out with me too much. You. <laughs> you're rubbing off on me I'm rubbing off on you it only took 30 years <laughs> So as a general, what did you say? In general, general in specific, and specific. In and in specific. So in general, role theory is a concept in uh, sociology and social psychology, which are, again, I'm not super sure what the difference between those two things is. Mm. Sociology and social psychology. They're, they kind of, they're, they're like twins. They're intertwined. They're twinsies. But role theory is talking about how we act in roles, which are like socially defined categories so there's like our job is a role that we play Mm -hmm. and our role in the family is a role that we play and Mm -hmm. if we're like a student that's a role that we play so roles are all these things that we do in our lives that kind of have different titles right so sipsters kind of think about yourself and think about the different titles that you have and or roles and i would i would include like 
things like if you belong to a certain club, mm-hmm. you know you're expected to yeah. do certain things you're to belong to that, that club. club. That's part of your role. If you're a churchgoer, you know, if you're involved in a religion of some sort, that really puts some pretty heavy structural roles on you. Like you're expected to act a certain way and not to as Well, and act. expectations are a huge thing about roles because right. with our roles come things that we're expected to do, ways that we're expected to behave, mm-hmm. social norms that we're expected to follow. Exactly. So it comes with a lot of expectations and that can feel like a lot of pressure, especially when there's a lot of different roles that we have to be in at one time. Right, exactly. And in role theory within like sociology it talks about how like there's appropriate and like permitted forms of behavior that are guided by those social norms but that that behavior is linked to the roles that we play and that the roles that we play are linked to like the division of labor in society there's a lot that is big sociology stuff like macro level with it Mm -hmm. um but they even call it i think it's interesting that the the people in the roles are called actors (laughs) like within the theory they use that Hmm. term that's Um, interesting and and that is like i mean a role when you think of a play is is a good way to think of what a role is Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, do we want to talk about how this relates to you and your life right now oh okay well part part of roles is mom was just in a show mom played a role in a show i did i did it was typecasting because (laughs) the character is short and stout and sings and (laughs) And is full of tea (laughs) um yeah we just at our community theater where we live we just did beauty and the beast and when I was younger, I was involved in theater a lot. I was in a lot of shows, and as was Anna's father. And and then Anna and Gabe have both been in shows. We're all kind of theater at people. At the community, yeah, we but are. not like weird theater people. <laughs> hey, don't offend any of our weird theater people who are sipsters. <laughs> I guess that's true. <laughs> Nothing against weird theater people. We're just not weird theater people. <laughs> I'm not sure what that definition is, but I might be a weird theater person because I've been involved for a lot of years. But I had not been on stage um, for a long time because when my late husband was sick so much, it was just impossible. It takes a yeah. lot of time. Yeah, it's if, a lot if, of time and effort. If you've ever been in a community theater production, or for that matter, if you're a person who's listening who's a professional actor. Or I especially, guess. like, I mean, being in a musical. Like, yeah, takes a lot of time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it's funny because... Uh, Part of that is I do think that some of us love to be on stage because we escape. Mm-hmm. And I actually heard one of the actresses in this show say that at like a Q&A time with an audience that she looks forward to coming to the theater in the evening because she gets to be someone else mm-hmm. on stage. And that's very true. But also then you're sometimes in a role that's very similar. And that's how I felt because I was Mrs. Potts. Yeah in the beauty and the beast and i felt very akin to that character like motherly she's and nurturing very maternal and yeah, yeah and and short and stout and short and stout <laughs> so even though i was not being myself it's funny cuz i had a friend say how did she say it you you know we were really glad to see you and everything but i was a little disappointed because you didn't look like yourself at all <laughs> and i wanted to say mm, that's do you know what a acting. theater is for <laughs> because i wore a different acting. color a different color wig and of course i was dressed like a teapot <laughs> sure. so yeah the rest of my body did not look one of her little arms could not move in her costume <laughs> yes. she and had my, to keep it there and my other little arm was pushing a very heavy cart that included With a, a small child yeah, yeah a child who wasn't so small but he was wonderful 
wonderful. It was a very good show. Thank you, Anna. And you were very good in it. Thank you. Just so that's on record. She's the president of my fan club. I am. <laughs> Woo! I have a little flag, a little... Well, Every night after the show, she's standing outside. <laughs> my face is painted like a teapot. I'm like, yeah! Woo! <laughs> but so as far as escaping, in a way, I, I did do that when I was on stage because sure. obviously that's not reality and people don't really turn into teapots. But also the character felt very familiar to yeah. me. So Yeah. But I, I think especially like, I mean, not all roles that you've ever played are like that obviously oh, no. like and, no, no. and and a cool thing about acting being in shows is kind of stretching those muscles and seeing like getting into the shoes of someone else right right so. i have to say that a lot of the parts that i've played have been kind of typecasting mm-hmm. like i've played a wife person you know like a mom a wife person a lot like in footloose and mm-hmm. yeah several of those damn yankees the preacher's wife in footloose and- yeah who are you in Damn Yankees? I, I was like the little housewife of the man who was tempted to sell his soul or whatever. <laughs> who was going to make a deal with the devil. And he did. <laughs> it's a weird show. If you've never heard of Damn Yankees, you need weird to watch show. Yeah, yeah. But I was also Mona in Best Little Whorehouse. So I don't know if that was typecasting. Mona is the, the, She's the madame. Yes. Or the pimp, if you like. <laughs> The lady pimp. The lady pimp. So it's not always typecasting. <laughs> well, maybe. No, I don't think so. You but, can play many roles. <laughs> right, right. So the point of that, though, is that going back to where we started from, which is when you're on stage, you become somebody you're not. Yeah. But in our everyday life, hopefully those roles that we play. Well, and then that kind of goes into this concept of there's a... Uh, role strain and role conflict Mm. as part of role theory we even learned about that like in i think family therapy class when we were in grad school but role strain as far as i understand it there are conflicting reports (laughs) on the internet uh role strain is about when one role is just heavy mm-hmm. when when it, one role is overwhelming and like the the responsibilities and expectations of one role are kind of getting in the way i guess of the rest of your life but that kind of goes into role conflict where two different roles clash with each other right well and i could see like an example i think would be for role strain is like if your job all day long you were you know i don't know what you would be um, let's say, let's what do say, people do? What does anyone do? Let's say do? you were a lawyer and, you know, yeah. you were a real, you know, knee deep in, in defending people or prosecuting people or whatever. And then you spend a lot of time, a lot of effort and a lot of energy in that negativity of that. Yeah. And then you come home to be a mom to little kids and you have to completely flip that and right. be this nurturing, you but know, you're prosecuting. or conflict? Mm, that's that's a good question. I think the strain would be if you put so much effort into your job that you didn't have the energy left you know like the strain i think is that it could be both i got the same example yeah, that's true and i gotta say like i mean being a counselor there's a lot of role strain that comes with being a counselor mm-hmm. i mean there's a lot of kind of personal burnout that you have to yeah. and and i think that 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 would be a i mean a very very personal example of like you know that would be a role strain to me because it's not necessarily conflicting with my other roles. Mm-hmm. It's just as a role, the expectations are very high. Right. So, I agree. but then, but then the conflict comes in, and what pops into my head with conflict is when we were in grad school and we were both, you know, doing full time jobs, and you were taking care of a sick husband, and and mm-hmm. you had a lot of roles that conflicted during that time. Mm-hmm. See, I think of it more, and I hear what you're saying, but when I hear the word conflict, I think of of examples like. 
when sometimes people, like a person's role with their friends, like they go out and they drink and they cuss and they have fun. Mm -hmm. But then on Sunday, they're in church being the good guy or the good girl. And And those those, are both expectations. Right. You're expected to act a certain way. They're shoulds, yeah. Yeah. We talk about shoulds in therapy all the time. like big cognitive behavioral thing. Yeah, yeah. But that causes conflict and it causes stress. Right. If you feel like you're being incongruent in some way. Can we step then toward the idea of that we we actively use role play in therapy sometimes? Yeah. Since we're in the therapy realm right yeah. now. Yeah. And like especially in role theory, there's this thing in role theory that talks about how like you can't escape roles. Everyone has a role. Mm-hmm. It's not like you can step away from that because even if you're like being a hermit that's a role that you're playing you that's know? right right like there were there are several things that popped up when i was looking at the role theory thing and especially in family therapy where it was like we can't not communicate and we can't not behave so like we're always doing that and the roles play into that mm-hmm. so in in therapy one of the things that we need to do is focus specifically on these roles and kind of deconstruct them and see how they are affecting us. I mean, like everything else in therapy, it's building self-awareness, right? Right, right. So one of the things that I would qualify as role, I don't know if role play, there's like very specific role play exercises in therapy where like, say if I had a person who was really socially anxious and they were stressing out about an interaction that that they were going to have, one of the things that I could do as a therapist is say like, okay, I will be this person and you be you mm-hmm. and let's act out that interaction let's play it out and and we'll play these roles although the client is playing their own role right but right. i not too long ago did that with a client who wanted to come out to his father mm-hmm. and had not um, because he was fearful of what father would say mm-hmm. and so i played the role of father and i <laughs> when we first started doing it he stopped and he said he would be much meaner than that. Because I said something and he said, that's not how I'm talk. He'd be much meaner than that. So I, I played it. You know, I played the well, part. Well, and then what you can also do is say, okay, you be the father and I'll be you. Mm-hmm. And then that's a role reversal and that's right. role playing And that is role sure. playing for yeah. both of us. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes you do that with empty chair technique. Yeah. So empty chair, have we talked about distal? We have, right? Yes, we have. Unclear what episode that is. Let's see how fast I can find it. episode 28 wow that was really fast (laughs) because i do remember talking about empty chair specifically i love gestalt stuff i do gestalt is very uh theatrical yeah gestalt is is very dramaturgy sort of stuff (laughs) good word anna thanks well i can't take credit for that because one of the again go back to the role theory there's a structural functionalism role theory as like a subset and it's like everyone has a place in like society and social structure and every place has a corresponding role so it's Mm -hmm. very functional and very like this equals this equals this but then there's dramaturgical role theory which defines life as a never-ending play in which we are all actors that sounds like someone from my past (laughs) (laughs) well it sounds like shakespeare because shakespeare had the all the world's a stage and all the men and women merely players they Mm -hmm. have their exits and their entrances and one man in his time plays many parts it's from as you like it wow that's really deep and right on yeah that really is like it kind of goes back to that self is the construct kind of idea Mm -hmm. and how we build our own roles and we build who we are portraying but anyway just this is very existential today existential stuff wow it just comes out man dude 
Okay. This is what happens when we don't have many notes. We just go <laughs> fall back on like, anyway, self we is go. a construct. Nothing's real. Uh, yeah. How are you doing today? <laughs> How's that sitting with you? <laughs> but empty chair is a specific gestalt technique where you literally like put a chair and say, okay, it's kind of like role playing without actually having a person in the role. So you right. say like, okay, talk to the chair as if so-and-so was sitting in the chair. So talk right. to the chair as if your dad was sitting in the chair. Mm-hmm. You know, talk to your chair as if your partner was sitting in the chair. And sometimes you can have them then like switch and go sit in the chair and basically have a conversation with the other person or I've even seen it talked about like you can do okay talk to the chair like this part part of of yourself yourself. yeah yeah Yeah. which I think is really cool yeah have you seen those commercials I don't know what they're for because I make a point to like block out what the commercial's (laughs) for commercial for real something about real realtors I guess okay buying property but it's like this woman in a in a conference room and she has like a whole bunch of hers around her and she's like okay nervous me what about this and then it's like okay confident me what about this and it's kind of cool cool. yeah it's kind of neat so that's kind of what that empty chair yeah you talk to that part of yourself yeah but that that is really kind of making you confront the roles that you're in or the parts within yourself that make the roles i mean Mm -hmm. there's a lot that goes into kind of deconstructing that stuff Another kind of role play that that we use sometimes in family therapy is to have family members switch parts. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you're all in the room and then you say, okay, now dad, you're going to be this kid and mom, you're going to be this kid and kid you're going to be this mom the mom and you're going to be the dad and have you ever actually done that with a family um i did it one time and it did not go well <laughs> yeah uh, yeah <laughs> we did it. it that's one of those things that you can do in like because cl- we did that we in did family class. therapy yeah. class and yeah. like okay a class controlled setting we don't actually have a right. lot of emotional stake in the thing very different when it's in an actual therapy that was setting. the other thing i tried that we did in group therapy class or I don't know what class it was, but we did a family, it was like a tableau. Oh, like where, sculpting. Yeah, sculpting. And I tried that. That was a total failure. That's really it was fun, a, though. It was the same family. I feel like that would be fun. I think uh, sculpting, we talked about like the kids sculpting the parents to right. see how the kid like sees the parents, you know? Yeah. So, Which is literally just like the parents or whoever's doing it will stand like a mannequin. And they have to move however the other person yeah. moves them. So yeah. even if it's an if it's not a flattering pose, yep. you have, to, keep um, it. You you have, have to, to face it. And then you have to process why would you put them like this. Mm-hmm. And it sounds wonderful. And it was yeah. cool in it's class. It's one of those, in theory, very <laughs> yeah. cool technique. In practice, <laughs> it can really go wrong. Yeah. Yeah. What happened? They were two like adolescent age and they got really mean nasty like to each other or to the parents about the parents because they were being the parents oh. and so they were like really abusive and cursing and really you know and, and, I, and I let it go a little while and then it was just like okay I think like, we're this off, isn't whoa funny. we're <laughs> off the tracks <laughs> mom and dad are you know cowering in the corner crying and yeah yeah it didn't it did not feel like it was being effective so yeah there was one other term that I saw when I was looking at the roles in therapy, and it was something called fixed role therapy. Hmm. And you and I talked about it. I had never heard of that term, but we have heard of this technique. We've talked about this technique before, I'm sure, probably on a couple of, of different episodes, where a client is struggling with something they, that they want to be more confident or they want to, 
I don't know. We'll just stick with that. They want to be more confident. And so it's called fixed role therapy in that they go and they act like they're really like that. So they're playing a role of being this very confident person. Mm -hmm. We call it acting as if, right? Yeah. Go act as if you are confident. Right. But it can be helpful. And I think that's where it links to like narrative stuff because it gives you that if you're saying like this is just a role I'm playing, Mm -hmm. it kind of gives you that level of separation that you need to not feel so confronted by it, I think. Right, And not feel like there's no way I can do this. There's no way I can do this. But that's not me. Well, you're playing a role, so it doesn't have to be you. Or like, you know, a a woman who's not happy in her marriage. So go act as if you're happy for a week. Act as if this is where you want to be and that's a fixed role therapy. Mm -hmm. And ideally what that's supposed to do is kind of bring you around to, oh, I can do that. I Right, it kind of opens it up. Well, it's that, again, the link back to narrative therapy, um alternate stories mm-hmm. giving alternate endings to your right, story right but again i mean i think that can also be just kind of a way to confront why it's not like that mm-hmm. and and give you better insight as to why it isn't like that and why it's hard to act like that sometimes right but that's cool yeah. and again that kind of goes back to just because fixed role is something that i have not heard it called no because i've always called it acting as acting if. as if so and again, we talk about this all the time that there's these things in in therapy that we they all just do. Pop up and we, we just call, call it different it, stuff. Yeah, <laughs> give it a new name, and Give wow, name. now it's mine. Wow, it's mine let's now. do it. No one's ever thought of that before. <laughs> totally new. <laughs> okay, yeah, let's switch. So, so yeah, I want to talk about how D and D can be used as therapy, and obviously, I have a personal connection here because I played D and D frequently every week. My D and D group has been meeting for. Over a year now, I think. So we're all really good friends. And, and that is a part of that too, where like, and we'll talk about this a little later with your stuff, is a big part of role playing is trust. Mm-hmm. You have to trust the people that you're doing this with because it is kind of vulnerable to to open up and to explore this different stuff and to act like someone you're not and to, to be creative in that way. But especially for like tabletop role playing games, I linked it back to narrative therapy last week when we talked about that. It links to play therapy because it's... Yeah, it, that's... that's Yeah, it's because it's play therapy is, again, kind of a way to externalize mm-hmm. things. Uh, so, but it puts, it puts you in like a creator role, which I think is really cool. It's one of those things that even if you kind of don't think of yourself as a creative person, you can do tabletop role playing, mm-hmm. especially things like D&D. Like there's so many rules and there's math. So there's something for everyone. <laughs> no matter which side of your brain you're working with. <laughs> yeah, you really you got do. it. In you kind of have to stretch both, <laughs> both sides. But it can be this way to expand empathy. And the way that it links to roles is because like, so I don't know if if you've never, if you're like, what's D&D? Let me give you a little little rundown. So mm-hmm. you have a dungeon master who is the uh, the person who's not like playing a role specifically. They kind of play all the roles. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they play like everyone who's not one of the main characters basically. And they like set up the story. But it's very collaborative or it should be. And then you have the players who are playing their characters and they have one character that they play. Mm-hmm. And that's that's going to be their role. That's going to be their role that they like step into and they um, I mean obviously in the terms of like game mechanics you build like what they can do their abilities and stuff but more specifically and those these are the games that I like more and and that's one of the reasons I love the group that I'm in now is because there are times where you can just really 
play your role and mm-hmm. like get into this character and and do backstory stuff and talk about how they're reacting to things that are wild things that are happening because D&D gets wild sometimes. Yeah. yeah. So you you get to step into this into this person that is sometimes very unlike you. I mean, you know, in D&D you can kind of be anything. You mm-hmm. can be a a little bird person who's <laughs> who's a rogue. You can you can be a, an orc barbarian. You can be anything you want. And it's cool because it lets you kind of stretch those muscles. But, you know, because it's based in role playing, it's a really good way to try out interactions in a lower stakes environment. Mm, so again, say it. yeah, you've got this element of distancing because it's not you doing it. It's your character doing it. So you're mm-hmm. kind of hiding behind that mask, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're doing that. But also it's a game. And it's not going to have real world ramifications if you mess up a social interaction or if you, you know, flub a dice roll or something. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's it's a way to do that with lower stakes. But also there's just the social aspect in general. You have to work with people that are mm-hmm. at your table. You have to build those social skills and you have to build the trust with these people to be able to work collaboratively. Mm-hmm. And so there, there are definitely instances where things that could be much more stressful in real life can be made less stressful by putting that kind of fictional barrier up before Mm -hmm, it mm -hmm. Um, and then before you know it you've got a group of friends and you're friends and you're having fun together that's cool the magic of role play there's a really cool if you want to look up more about this if you look up uh, dungeons and dragons as therapy like on youtube uh, D&D Beyond has a really good interview with Megan A. Connell, who calls herself a therapeutic dungeon master. Oh, wow. How cool. Which is, yeah, it's super cool. And she talks about all this stuff. She talks about how the, like, the safe environment, there being no real world consequences in this, and how it's a way to face certain fears. And how like creative problem solving is a big part of it too, because you're you're putting these situations that are obviously very fictional and very fantastic, mm-hmm. but you have to use the tools and skills available to you to solve problems. So mm-hmm. it kind of puts you in this in this place where you do have to think of outside of the box solutions. Last night in our game, one of our player characters got bitten or hit or something by this like underwater creature. And mm. after the fight, they come back onto the shore. And then after a couple of minutes, they realize they can't breathe air. <gasps> they have to like go back, back into in the, the water. water. <laughs> so we were trying to figure this out. We were throwing out all these different ideas. Like um, someone was like, well, what if you just do a spell that creates a bunch of water and then they can breathe Walk on air? Yeah. Um, I think the suggestion that I threw out was we had like a, a crystal that had a water elemental in it. So uh-huh. a creature made of water. And I was like, let's just get that. They can ride in it <laughs> like a transformer. <laughs> so, so yeah, it's just kind of using what's at your disposal to solve weird problems. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it gets you, gets you thinking creatively as kind of a sneaky way that you don't know that you're doing it. I like that. I do too. Because that builds our brain. It does. And it builds self-confidence and it builds self-esteem because mm, you you know you're you're doing all these things that are first of all cool if you're in a group that's good <laughs> your dm is gonna make you feel cool uh-huh. <laughs> but but yeah i mean it's it's just a good way to build all these skills again in a l- lower stake environment than trying to do it in real life mm-hmm. it's kind of always been my dream to to start a D group therapy thing mm-hmm. where where players have to do like a what do you want What's the therapeutic goal of this game for you? 
like what do you want to work on through your wow, character. that's so cool. Yeah, so maybe someday. That's very cool. So do you find it when you you yourself play, does it does it relieve some of your anxiety? Does it Yeah, it kind of depends. I mean, it's also, you know, intensive. I was going to say are there times when it actually makes you anxious because there's a stressful yeah I mean there's definitely I mean like with any role that we were talking about there's different expectations I mean you still you know like especially in fights in D&D because I mean a huge part of D&D is the combat system so especially when there's like actual like battles happening I get very sweaty very stressed (laughs) but but overall you know it's it's more of a fictional release and it's a way that you escape for a little while and you stop thinking about you know like you said earlier that being a therapist is a very heavy role Mm -hmm. that it puts strain on you and that 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 way you can just kind of set that aside for a couple hours and escape into this yeah every week for for three to four hours i don't have to think about real world problems Mm -hmm. i just have to think about these like fantasy problems Mm -hmm. dragons and stuff like (laughs) That sounds Just scary. Dragons starting on fire. No that's big deal. Way, way easier than thinking about taxes, believe it or yeah. not. Pandemics. I would much rather deal with dragons. Yeah, that makes sense. So yeah, it is just a way to escape and it's a way to kind of stretch creative muscles and logical muscles that you maybe weren't aware that you weren't using. I think that's very cool. And there are other games and activities that you can do to, to do role playing like that that's yeah. not D&D. But yeah, D&D is a, just the, the most well-known. It's kind of the go-to. For- yeah, it's kind of the, the one that's most in the cultural lexicon. But, mm-hmm. but there are a lot of different role playing like systems like tabletop role-playing systems. So if mm-hmm. you're interested in that, but D&D is a little overwhelming, which it can be, especially if you're first starting out and you don't really know how to use it. Oh, what's the other one called? GURPS or something. I would think that with virtual reality now, mm-hmm. that could enter a whole new realm of, well, of yeah, and, and pretending that you're somewhere else. Like and doing- role-play games. I mean, I'm specifically right now talking about tabletop role-play, but video game role-playing games, whether single-player or like, multiplayer yeah, that's like even like sims would be role play wouldn't it yeah yeah like the olden days people yeah. do they still do sims they, they're on sims 4 now i think wow yeah and i remember when you were real little and you would have those games where you would be like a little princess or whatever and have a kingdom and mm-hmm. you have to like build yeah 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 it, i guess no matter what game you're playing it kind of just depends on how deep you want to get into the role yeah but there yeah. are some very specific i mean just you know if you go on any game site and type role playing game rpg it will give you many many options so if something like tabletop role playing seems a little much then look up like online role-playing games or, or I don't know if I've talked about this in the show before. I, I for years have done like writing role-playing mm-hmm. where it's basically like collaborative story writing. Mm-hmm. Um, like you're writing a book because in, in each person with like involved has characters that they write for and mm. you write replies to each other as your character as like character. you're writing the story mm-hmm. this narrative together so so yeah there's a lot of different ways to do this and it's all kind of the same concept of stepping into this role of this other person that you are not and kind of getting into their head which is a i think a cool way to kind of stretch your imagination mm-hmm. awesome that's my spiel so would you say that there's a possibility of a negative like a, a, a a con for getting too involved in yeah. role play games. Well, there's a con for, I, I think it's the same con that would go for any of the role things that we're talking about, which mm-hmm. is if you get too into it, 
you're not giving the real you right. space to be. You're not you're not remaining self aware. Right. You're becoming yeah. You're 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 becoming the mask, mm. as they say. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, if you're playing D and D every night mm-hmm. and you're never just having space where you're you, right? <laughs> then yeah, I'd be a little worried about you. Mm-hmm. Or if you were, you know, even if you're like an actor, I always get weirded out when like the, I think about the the actors in like soap operas and stuff, because they have to record like every day, right? Yeah. How do they, how do you differentiate how are from you your character your, at Yeah, some point? exactly. And maybe they're very much similar in some ways. Maybe I don't that's know. just all typecasting. It's maybe just really them. That's I don't scary know. in soap yeah. operas. <laughs> but, but yeah, stuff like that. So, mm-hmm. so you still need to give yourself, I mean, the point of, role playing as we're talking about it mm-hmm. i think should be to reflect on you on right. the real you right to learn things about yourself that maybe you wouldn't have seen if you right. didn't relax enough to yes yeah so if you're not using it for that if you're only using it for escapism then it's probably becoming a problem mm-hmm that's a good way to explain it. Anything, if you're using it just for escapism, is probably, you need to probably look at why you're trying to escape mm-hmm. so much. It's all about balance. Mm-hmm. We always go back to balance. Yeah. What's your bring? Is that the balance? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Should we do a disclaimer before this part? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I'm feeling. Go ahead. Disclaim it. Okay. The disclaimer is this this next portion of our episode warning 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 <laughs> sex talk coming up warning we're about bonnie to talk about is going sex. to talk about sex which is kind of scary when bonnie talks about <laughs> warning my mother is about to talk about sex a bunch <laughs> feels very sorry for anna um, and and this if, is not weird for me is that no, weird that might be that's weird. pretty weird <laughs> We've hung out too much. Yeah, we as, are too as, comfortable as, as with each other. As you being an adult, yes. But yeah, we're going we're gonna to talk about sex now, peeps. Because so, uh, sex role play is, is a thing that I think a lot of... I think when I was younger, because like I said, I've been doing the uh, written role play stuff for a long time. Mm-hmm. There was a time where I didn't want to tell anyone that I did that because I, I thought they would think if I said I'm into role play that right. I was talking about sexual role right. play. And even like those people that, that get into... Oh, like dressing up like characters oh, from Star cos- Trek, and yeah, and yeah. That I mean, there's a weird line there because some people <laughs> yeah. do carry that over into sexual role play, but not everybody does. Right. So, so, um, so, yep, that's what we're going to talk about now. We're going to talk about. <laughs> yep, that's we're talking about sex. Welcome baby. to the sex portion. <laughs> and I would be one of those people that if I heard somebody say I'm into role play, I would automatically think they meant sexual <laughs> role play. Dirty I'm bird. sorry, you're a dirty boy. This in the gutter. <laughs> So in a lot of ways, what Anna already talked about with role play games goes for sexual role play too, in that part of it is it's important that you realize that things are going to come out that are actually part of who you are. I mean, even though you're playing a role, there's probably something in there that's coming out that's like, oh, totally block off who you are. Right, right. And yet the other side of that is it's a way of escaping who you really are in your everyday role. So I wanted to quote this one author... Um, His name is Michael Aaron. He's a psychologist, but he also calls himself a sexologist. I don't know if that's like an official word. A sexpert. Yeah, he's a sexpert. He wrote a book called Modern Sexuality. So his expertise is working with sex therapy. I want to quote him because I think he just says it pretty well. 
He says, quote, I would say that there is perhaps one very clear, direct, and transparent way that we can obtain access to our internal life in a way that's safe and insulated from social consequences if handled privately. Mm-hmm. So we're going to go back to that. Through Keep our, it in the bedroom, so, folks. That's right. Uh, <laughs> through our sexuality. Through sex, we can experiment with and test out and immerse ourselves in various roles that exist internally, but that can never bear the social light of day. So there are things that that we have hidden in, Freud would say our id is in there just waiting to get out, yeah. that we would never talk about. And quite frankly, like kind of like you said, we maybe shouldn't talk about it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we're not talking about it for let's a reason. Keep it in the bedroom, people. <laughs> but so, like, in going on in this in this paragraph, it says, "quote A homemaker who is harried by taking care of three kids can, in the bedroom with her partner, become a seductress, a starlet, or even a queen. Uh, the possibilities are endless. In this way, sexual role play allows us access to parts of ourselves that have been previously split off, and it allows." allows us the opportunity to fully understand ourselves. So if we talk about, and you know, <laughs> we all have like images that come into our head when we hear sexual role play. And you and I did this before we started recording, like, you know. We were like trying to name them. We were naming them and kind of getting kind of creeped out a little bit by some of them. Because um, some of them, and I mean, I'm sure we'll kind of get into this as you talk more about it, but a lot of them are about power play and like mm-hmm. the the power dynamics of a sexual Right. Relationship. And so a lot of them are, are situations like, and some will make you cringe, so be prepared. Yeah. Like a student and teacher or student and principal kind of thing, or um, a doctor. Not a teacher and principal. There, there you've got. Oh, that's. <laughs> Everybody can do that. There you go. But there is still a power thing there. So maybe I guess guess you could. Well, like boss and secretary is one. Yeah. Maid and the person who hires a maid. Right. <laughs> the maid employer, <laughs> boss man, policeman, and and a person that got pulled over speeding. See, I don't like that one. Like there are so many actual cases of like police yeah, it's creepy, using right? Their, it's creepy, yeah, right? Ooh. Yeah, and so this is something that um, I'm going to stick in here because I don't know when. <laughs> I'm sorry, sorry. <laughs> Anna. I'm being mature about We're the sex about talk. Sex. <laughs> I can't help. I'm it. trying to be mature. That part of role play is to turn off our rational brain slightly. Right. Because we want to escape those roles that we're forced into all day long. So like a woman who has a whole lot of pressure all day long and has to make all the decisions and, and she's, you know, in control of everything all day long, then maybe she wants to do a role play where she is a submissive student. Right. right. So that's part of what's happening there. However, it is very difficult for many of us to turn off our rational side. Yeah. And so even when we just hear that, you know, that thought of a student and a principal, it, we we right away go, ugh, you know, it's creepy. It's, <laughs> sure. It, I don't know. I think some people really are turned on by it. Though. Yeah, some people are. But I think that, that we've had that social... What you said before about how one of the things that is exciting for people is that it's taboo. Right. So those situations where a person of authority is sexual with someone that they have authority over is taboo. Right. And it is. If we're sitting here in our rational brains, especially as therapists, if we had a client come in and say, you know, my boss is sexually harassing us, Mm -hmm. well, we'd be all over that. Like, you know, cut that crap out. Uh Uh-huh. But- 
within sexual role play, that's it's a whole different, it's an escape. Which is, I mean, like, I would much rather, you know, there be sexual role play about teacher-student versus that happening in real, in real life. life. So, yeah. I mean, that is part of this is that it is a safe place for those kind of more taboo thoughts and desires to be acted out. Right. So, so yeah, it can be, you know, safe and healthy in that way. So there are some really important things that author Michael Aaron talks about in his book. And there's also another book by a lady named, I'll never say her last name right, Caitlin Carrick. Kiolo. She's a marriage and a family therapist, but she specializes in sex therapy. And she talks a lot about the things that we need to be sure we're being careful of when we use role play mm-hmm. sexually. And the most important one is that it's consensual, of course. Mm-hmm. And that and so it's really important that you communicate with your partner before you jump into it. Yeah, don't just like come out of the bathroom <laughs> dressed as something and be like, you ready? <laughs> Your partner's like, what's happening? Who are you? What's going on? What is going Why? on? <laughs> and and Why are you wearing a construction <laughs> outfit? And this is kind of like the both, what we started the episode with about, about both ways, that you have to be open. When your partner says to you, hey, I'd like to talk to you about role playing, don't just shut the door immediately. Right. Don't go, try, yeah, try to take a deep breath, even if it really bristles you. Try to take a, take a deep breath and say, okay, let's talk about it and try to be open. Yeah. I mean, I would say that about any sexual relationship that, that the most important part of that is trust. Mm-hmm. And being able to be vulnerable with your partner. If you have a real connection with that person, hopefully you do or you're not going to be doing this. Because right. that is a huge part of this. Safety and being able to trust and become vulnerable to that person. Because just even saying to your partner, hey, you know, I'd kind of like to try the, I'm the pizza delivery guy. And you're, yeah. you know, <laughs> you're the lonely housewife. That really gets you know? me going. <laughs> That's a very vulnerable place to say that to your partner if you've never talked about it before. So that's the first step. Right. That you have to have a trusting relationship that you can talk to each other about stuff like that. And that as a therapist, I would say, Sipsters, if you are in a sexual relationship, that that trust is so important in that. To be able to communicate and to say what you like and what you don't like and and be able to say, hey, why don't we try this? One of the things that, that... both of these specialists say is, you know, this is a great way to keep excitement mm-hmm. in your sex life. To spice up your spice sex life. Up, yes. Now, if you and your partner do not like role play, that doesn't mean you have a boring sex life. But this is just one of those things yeah. that maybe you might want to try. Whatever your boat, you might dude. Wa- right, exactly. I'm the sailor <laughs> and you're the sexy manatee. <laughs> Oh boy, that's going very far afield. <laughs> how, how stupid can I make this sexual role play? Scenarios? That's a pretty stupid that's one, pretty but you stupid know, one. hey, someone might like that. that. I don't know. That's where yeah. mermaids came from. Sexual like manatees look like sexy ladies, I guess, when you're tired and have scurvy. <laughs> that's where mermaids came from sounds like a sex talk you have with kids about where mermaids came from when a manatee and a sailor love, <laughs> love each, other each other very, very much, much. <laughs> no i mean the oh. myth of the myth of <laughs> what no, about like serious <laughs> yeah this is serious no, all right serious <laughs> manatees look <laughs> in like the part dark of yeah <laughs> like sexy ladies and the sailors of ye old times thought that they were sexy ladies. Ye old lonely sailors. Ladies, yes. 
Oh my, this could go so so wrong. <laughs> Sorry, what it were you saying? Is. <laughs> seriously, has. seriously, I'm talking about sex. Um, <laughs> okay, so bottom line is communicate. Uh-huh. Communicate with your partner before you jump into this. Don't be afraid to communicate. It's really important. Even if you don't do role play, please communicate. <laughs> yeah, just communicate in talk, general. Just talk do to that. each other about your sex yeah. life. And then the other thing is to try to be open to listen to your partner without being too judgmental because then you're shutting down something that means a lot to them. And even if it sounds very far afield to you, at, at least, least listen. Yeah, and then compromise. You know, mm-hmm. find a, a safe middle ground, mm-hmm. you know. Like, okay, I don't necessarily want to be a sexy manatee. Could I possibly <laughs> be like a sexy boat swain? <laughs> 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 we'll start there and work our way over to me and <laughs> baby steps oh. if your partner looks really disappointed and then starts putting away a manatee costume then... <laughs> oh, I, I don't even know how to go on I can't go on I think that to remember too just like we talked about in the role-playing games and stuff that there's a balance and there's a reality check, Mm -hmm. you know, that you have to be careful that you don't get so carried away with that, that that's the only way you can be sexually excited with your partner. You know, you you have to be, you still have to connect. to facilitate, not replace. Right. Because ideally, duh, you're you're connecting as yourself yeah when yeah. when you're sexual with your partner and so you don't want to have this role play so heavy in your relationship that it's not even you two making love anymore it's it's just this thing you mm-hmm. know mm-hmm. this performance two, these, yeah these two other people right right because you're going to lose some intimacy that way right. so we do want to spice it up but we don't want to lose our intimacy yeah. so it's a again bit spicy not too spicy a spicy intimacy don't get too spicy <laughs> Because spicy upsets your stomach. (laughs) You stay up all night worrying about eating the spicy stuff. Yeah. So. (laughs) It's very boomer talk over there. (laughs) I don't think I've ever seen it. Yeah, what are we talking about? (laughs) It acts. Worry. Yes. Uh, ideally you will become closer to your spouse or your partner because you will be sharing very intimate details. You will be becoming vulnerable to them. Yeah, you have to be able to open yourself up to do this stuff. I mean, there has to be some measure of like, okay, I trust that this person isn't going to like laugh at me. Right, right. And part of that, and when you're in your communication stage, you know, talking about what if we get into this and one of us doesn't like it? How do we get out of it? Is it okay to get out of it? You know, all those things are important to talk about and to not just shut down on your partner. Right. Because that makes them never want to be vulnerable to you again. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we don't want off. that to happen, right? And somewhere under there too is is still that thing of becoming even more self-aware because of the things that you find out through role play, like I really did like that or I didn't like this or Maybe that. I do want to be a boat captain. <laughs> <laughs> I'm quitting my job tomorrow, I'm dear. I'm quitting my job to be a boat captain. <laughs> okay. A sexy I'm gonna- boat swim. <laughs> I'm going to stop talking about sex because you cannot take it seriously. That's true. <laughs> Sorry. I'm a You're just always boy. all like, all sex is all this funny stuff. It's very it serious. Oh, well, you got to be able to laugh at sex stuff a little. Yes, yes. That is what we do. <laughs> but overall, it's the idea of using it in healthy ways and being sure that 
the things that we do help us to grow in our self-awareness and in our intimacy and yet stay balanced. Yeah. It can't be just escapism. There's got to be some like compare contrast of like, how am I like this person? How am I different than this person? And if you go to an actual sex therapist, this might be one of the tools that they pull out, you Mm -hmm. know, saying, have you ever done this? I'm surprised you didn't make a joke about that one. One of the tools they pull out. A sex <laughs> okay, that's uh, funny. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I like put that one out there like, shh, shh, there it is. And you, you <laughs> if you just have kinda... more than one tool, see a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> if, if you're, no, no. If your tool lasts, uh, lasts more, than more than four hours. hours. <laughs> see a doctor. Oh, uh, we could riff all day on this. <laughs> Let's not. Okay, fine. Okay, how do we sum it all up? How do we wrap it all up and put a bow on it? <laughs> it's almost Christmas time. We'll put a bow on I'm it. a sexy Christmas elf. <laughs> you're Santa Claus. <laughs> and you're regular Santa Claus. Hey, have you seen that movie on Netflix with, what's his face as Santa Claus? <laughs> what? The guy who's married to, oh gosh, I just lost all the names. <laughs> See, when I was a kid, he was a real sexy young actor who, Kurt, uh, what's his name? Russell? Oh, Kurt Russell. Kurt Russell is Santa Claus. Christmas Chronicles? Oh, my gosh. He is a handsome Santa Claus, baby. I never saw Santa Claus. And through the movie, he kind of makes comments about how he hates how they always make pictures of him as a fat old guy. The the Santa in, what's that, Rise of the Guardians? That, like, big, buff, like, like, tattooed Russian Russian, Santa? Oh, that does it for me. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, see? I'd be his sexy elf. Santa be sexy? (laughs) As we go into this Christmas season, remember, <laughs> Santa, Santa can, can be, be sexy. sexy. Well, I saw Mama kissing Santa Claus. <laughs> yeah, that could be some little role play going on for Christmas. <laughs> I'll be Mommy. You be Santa Claus that is kissing me underneath the mistletoe, underneath the mistletoe last mistletoe. night. <laughs> okay, yeah. What are we talking about? Role play. <laughs> yeah. I mean, linking it back to more the more grounded stuff that we could talked yes. about it first about like role strain and role just to be aware of the roles that you play in your own life mm-hmm. i mean just to be able to kind of categorize okay what different situations do i need to be in what different roles i, I guess i'll throw this in here too that like one of the the things that role theory talks about is how there are like specific roles and diffuse roles mm. and diffuse roles are like so your role as like like gender roles are more diffuse roles because mm-hmm. regardless of what position you're in like no matter what you know position i'm in like counselor or you know partner or student I'm mm-hmm. a woman. I mean, like, that is right. my gender identity. So that's... Through all of that. Yeah, that's going to be a role that I play. And I mean, that that has a huge effect on, like, a lot of workplace roles and mm-hmm. a lot of, you know... Age is another kind oh, of role yeah. that is yeah. consistent through all of the different roles. I'm still a certain age mm-hmm. or stage of my life. Because I would say, like, maternal, like, motherly is a role that you play in a lot of your different roles. Mm-hmm. Even exactly. on stage. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, like, you know, there there are definitely parts of ourselves that are roles that play into other more specific roles in our mm-hmm. life. So just be aware of what roles you play and what expectations those bring to your life. And I think that's an important part as you're, as you're taking inventory of your roles to look to be sure that the expectations are not putting undue stress on you. Mm-hmm. Like you're, you're thinking, well, I can never do this because I'm this person, this role, you know, or I have to act a certain way because I'm in this role. And mm-hmm. 
And if that goes against who you want to be, then then you either need to maybe think about changing that position, that role, mm-hmm. or changing your expectations for the role. Yeah. That, yeah, you can be that person and still do these things or yeah, say these things. Yeah, and some of those things. expectations are external. I mean, like, because of the society. A lot of them are. A lot of them a, are, a, yes. A culture and society putting their shoulds on us. Right. But some of them are internal. I mean, mm-hmm. there are some roles that we put on ourselves and the expectations, you know, we put on ourselves. So mm-hmm. it can be both. Exactly. So be aware of your roles in life, on stage, in the bedroom anywhere (laughs) wow that was good anna you summed it up very well thanks and be aware of your crescent rolls as we draw close to the holidays burning (laughs) go check your crescent rolls you could do a lot of cool things with crescent rolls you can roll little (laughs) hot dogs up in them you could spur them out and make a little crust for like a fruit pizza yep a little sloppy joes in them a little One thing that one of my friends taught me is you take crescent rolls and you put chocolate chips and like uh, caramel chips in them. Ooh, and then yeah. you roll them up as a little dessert crescent. Oh, yeah. It's pretty good. See, rolls the can be. The versatility of rolls crescent rolls. Diverse. I think I should probably thank the uh, Sipsters for Extra, listening because sure. they really put up with us today, didn't they? <laughs> yeah. Sipsters, we appreciate you so much. We thank you for taking the journey with us when we, we traverse... We navigate the wild ride that is Freudian sips. Each episode is just its own little <laughs> roller coaster, huh? Woohoo! <laughs> we thank you for being with us, sipsters. Yeah, thank you for accepting your role as a <gasps> sipster. Wow. And for valuing our role as a podcaster. That's very good. Thanks. You can find more of us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Don't know why you would after all this mess, but <laughs> hey, we're Freudian Zipspot on everything. Our site is FreudianZipspot.com. Our email is FreudianZipspot at gmail.com. Um, if you want to email us, if you have a, a rating that you've given us, please email that to us. But also if you have like ideas, like stuff you want to hear us topics, talk about, topic topics, ideas. please email us. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, we want we want to steal your content ideas. Give mm-hmm. us the content mm-hmm. ideas, please. And like I said, please remember to leave us a nice rating and review if you can do that wherever you're listening. And then email it to us and we'll be very thankful and send you a sticker. Our theme music is Sweet of Vermouth by Kevin McLeod, and it sounds like this. <laughs>